Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The film is called, and I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly, Clara Sola. Yeah. Okay, just okay. Here we go. Um, the film is called Clarisola, and it takes place in a remote village in Costa Rica. Uh, the Clara is a forty-year-old who endures a repressive, religious, and withdrawn life under the command of her mother. Her uncanny affinity for creatures large and small allows Clara to find solace in the natural world around her. I'm going to leave it there. There's a lot more to talk about in this film because it is just absolutely beautifully done and in a pretty remarkable story to be told. Uh, the film again is called Clara Sola, and we're today with the director and co-writer of the film, Natalie Alvarez Mezen. Hello. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. It is so beautiful. I, I just want to get this out there. Th- this role that uh, of Clara Sola is so beautiful. It reminds me of a couple of performances from a few years ago. There was a uh, Emily Watson in Breaking the Waves. Oh. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's sort a of the, long time ago. Yeah, it's sort of the vulnerability of her performance and in, in the character here, and we see in, in this film, and it's that that sort of savant kind of dedication. I don't know exactly how to describe it. And but I we'll get to the the performance itself. But the, I found it in the film uh, that there, you found a a really interesting and effective tone that you set early in the film. But before we get into that, what inspired this film? What inspired the story? <laughs> I know I'm, I'm kind um, of all over the place here. I apologize. No, but. Thank you. No, no. Thank you for the comments. And and I really want to watch that film again now that you mention it. And and I think he has to do. Like the reminder, but there's other characters that I don't know if you saw Milk of Sorrow by Claudia Josa. You should watch it too. It has a character that also is reminding of of these two characters, uh, and I think it has to do with a different language that they just have a different language that people need to learn, uh, and that some people just don't take the time to do it. Um, but that if you do, there's such like brilliance are so, you talking about it in the in terms of its connection to the world around us to nature in what uh, for example in what clara notices and what she chooses to put her attention in and it's the why the way we wanted to also portray her story like with a lot of like respect and putting emphasis into the things that she likes to see and feel and smell and in a way like her senses are enhanced almost uh and yeah. that also gives this sense that oh maybe she has even like superpowers in a way because she puts her attention in such things that other people just don't look at and i yeah it's just a different language i think the genesis of the film is actually something super concrete uh, which is uh, an application to a film school for screenwriting. And they gave us a couple of pictures and uh, painting and said, well, hey, create a story with this. And then I wrote a one pager that had this character, Clara, and that focused on a scene of liberation that it still exists within the film that is a scene of masturbation with fireflies. That's a very empowering scene. That's the scene that kind of gave birth to the rest of the script and also to this character that 
has this intimate relationship with nature and sees herself as part of nature and thus feels no shame for herself or her desires for her body because nature, non-human nature at least, doesn't feel shame uh, in the same sense. Yeah, for what you want, unless he's man-topped, so to speak. There is a lot of elements in the film and in the telling of Clara's story. There's a sort of connection of patriarchy, matriarchy in the film, where in the embodied by the grand uh, by the mother. And then there's this sort of uh, modernity versus the worldview that you just described, right? The conflict there. So all of these things, Claire is kind of butting up against the fact that she lives in a patriarchal society that's, in a sense, enforced by her by a woman over her yeah. right yeah that- i think what you describe is kind of what moved us to continue to write this story past the genesis of it and past the character just the fact that me and my co-writer are both from latin america she's from colombia i'm from costa rica right. we have both moved out of latin america as grown-ups and could look back to our memories in latin america with a lot of love but also reflecting upon growing up in a religious community, how it affected the families, the fact that it's families that had a lot of women roles, role models, but that still were enforcing patriarchal norms and tradition on women and on on any gender, really. And just this question of how come it is a lot of the times the women who are enforcing this um, kept the story kind of rolling and us wanting to dig deeper into that. The interesting thing about Clara and her relationship to nature and to Yuka, this beautiful horse that she's this in, uh, incredible relationship with, and also to her sister. All of these things are, in the way that they're presented in the film, they seem very natural, very unforced. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about the filmmaking was how unforced those relationships were, but also the circumstances. They're in a poor community, there aren't a lot of resources. The way they go about living their lives is to be envied in some way. They don't seem to be encumbered by the need for the latest iPhone or the the, the, the sort of the, the trappings of modernity. But at the same time, you can feel this oppression on them as well. It's a it's just a really interesting mix of how you went about presenting the story. Is that sound right in terms of what you were yeah, it's interesting in regards to like modernity. We wanted this to feel like we weren't sure what year it was really. I mean, it's in a rural community to Maria Camila and me. It's kind of like in the time of our memories. <laughs> so there's a lot of, uh, you know, a feeling of it being in that time that is not very specifically a year. But at the same time, there are modern things. There is there's one uh, Nokia telephone. There is like different the small uh there is a disco you know there are things this this timeless feeling also comes from from the rural setting of course but there's also a kind of magic to not really knowing and to having yeah this feeling of of memory and this oppression that you talk about i think comes a lot from the religious norms but also the way we filmed it even if it is a lot of nature around me and the dp we're also looking that looking into that we wouldn't be seeing a lot of sky all the time that the sky that we saw was very we were selective with it because even within the nature that she was in she has a border a physical border that she's not allowed to pass so uh, 
uh, we wanted it to still feel, you know, enclosed and like a golden cage in a way. Yes, you can go outside, but only up until this point. Until she starts to realize that those borders are internal, she can actually break them. Like we have internalized so many norms. Thank you for bringing that up because that internal, external struggles, the tension are evident in what you just said in the film. Within Clara herself, she's racked with uh, uh, some either deformity or an accident occurred or something. She's internally in pain and yeah. struggling to deal with that and, str- and and the fact that her grandmother, I don't want to give too much away. I keep wanting to call her her grandmother. She is her grandmother, right? She's her mother, but she's the grandmother of the niece. Clara lives with her grandmother on her niece. And what Clara has is a severe scoliosis That's right. uh, that her mother doesn't want to treat because she says that God brought her to the earth this way. Yeah. So she must have a purpose this way. No reason to to change her, even though she's in pain and even though the operation will be free. So this speaks a lot about, I mean, what for me the movie is a lot about, which is choice, the right to choose, which is a very, sadly, a very nowadays topic. In relevant the US. topic. Certainly. Very relevant topic. <laughs> uh, and that, you know, even when it was released in other countries, like in Costa Rica, people did could make parallels between... Clara, even if it isn't about abortion and abortion, because it is about the right to choose over yourself and how Clara isn't and how she used to feel shame for the choices she want to make and for the desires that she has. It is related. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the director as well as co-screenwriter of this wonderful film, Clara Sola, and that would be Natalie Alvarez Mezen. And the performance by Wendy Chinchia Araya is just amazing in this film because, first of all, she's in almost every frame of the film. Her performance certainly carries the film, but it's her ability to not only in her facial expressions tell us a lot about what her internal, what the intentions are within her within herself, but it's the physicality of her performance that really jumped out at me, how she walks around in this kind of somewhat slouched, slumped over, obviously mm-hmm. painful way of moving through the through space. And um, but then at the same time, she is this remarkable spirit to her. It's really a, a remarkable performance on her part. Tell us a little bit about what went into casting her and what you were, what you wanted from her in, in her performance. Yeah, I I was always pretty sure that there, it was going to be a dancer who who made Clara because it is physically such a hard character to portray, even if it is a character that it's for the outside mostly still, uh, but it has such an internal life that I wanted a person that could move all that Clara would move if she could move. <laughs> and then a dancer had that has that range. And with Wendy, we worked a lot with internal images. And one key image for Clara was the image of a wolf. And uh, that's the where we created the, mo- the character from. The first time we met with both of us, we barely said like, hello. And then like, now we're both going to be wolves. And then we're both of us wolves, uh, 100%. We did an improvisation for like about 40 minutes. And slowly we were started to evolve into human and adding percentages of hum- humanity into it. So 50% wolf, 50% woman, like human. And then slowly she was human, but we always kept... 20% wolf 
for this character. And that's the part of her that is stubborn, that says no, if she doesn't want something that is not ashamed of herself, that has this contact with nature. And that doesn't speak that much unless she has something to say or speaks in a different way. And actually the way that Wendy describes the character when people have asked her, like, how is it different, like from dancing and performing this? I mean, there are a lot of difference, but she, she actually said that Clara is a character that is dancing all the time, but it's a very internal dance, uh, which I think it's a beautiful way to see the, the character, that a character that is bigger than her own body in a way. And, and the film is about that too. And in a couple of the scenes in the film, there are, she, there's what I would call her reaction, strong reaction to certain things that are happening. And there is that feral feel to it. It feels feral. It feels mm-hmm. completely, as you described it, as something coming from an animal, something, uh, just a pure reaction to it. Yeah. And that's the part of her that I think connects to the earth and can affected in some ways in case you choose to see the film in in that way i mean there's many ways to read the film the other part of the film that ties into what you just described is what some have called magical realism i would call it the connection to the world around us in ways that we are unfamiliar with generally speaking and that ability to to connect to the to the natural world and but there are a few things that happen in the course of the film that feel a little extra natural, if you will. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, the way that you are able to make that feel completely organic to what the story is and who she is, is, again, another beautiful thing about the film. I, did you really th- how did you go about thinking this? Me and the director of photography were always very. Uh, held <laughs> deep, close to our hearts that we wanted to tell this story from her perspective and with a lot of respect for her and for what she was experiencing. And it didn't matter if it was real or not, if it's superpowers or her imagination, uh, that we wanted to honor her experience and in a very grounded way. So grounded was kind of a key word and also cinematography-wise, always connecting her to the magic that was happening without too many edits, without making it like grand and, you know, like sparkly and, you know, magical things flying around. But just in a way that is slightly elevated and could actually be happening. Why not? It's just so, so close to our world that it could actually be happening. Like who are we to say it isn't? So that's the way we, we approached it. You mentioned your cinematographer, Sophie Finquist Loggins, does a wonderful job, lots of close-ups, lots of write-up inside the characters, maybe a conversation between her and her sister, or or the very interesting character of Santiago, who I wasn't quite sure. In fact, I will tell you, when I first started watching the film, as it was sort of unfolding, I had this sense of foreboding that this was not going to end well. This whole story wasn't going to end well. It was something that I don't know if this was intentional on your part, but she was such an innocent and in this way of giving herself over to the world around her that I felt that that might not work out, as I've seen in other films with similar stories. So when Santiago comes into the picture, I felt like there was this was the the vehicle by which something terrible was going to happen. And I'm not going to say much more than that, except that he was a very interesting 
dynamic in the film. Yeah, I, I in making since it's mostly women that you know carry the film, and this is basically the only uh, male role that for me was important. That I I, I just didn't want to reproduce like uh, machismo roles and patriarchal roles uh, in this character because we've just seen that so much. And this, I mean, there are other movies to talk about that. This isn't that movie. Um, and so, I, and I understand that that feeling came because we are used to seeing that in media and exactly. in movies. But, yeah. but I, I just wanted someone that could, you know, treat Clara with with respect, and that even some scenes where it doesn't go well, maybe it's not because of him; it's because of something else. And that, you know, having the outsider view of Clara in a way that could be good for her because he doesn't have all this baggage all the things that other people you know see her as a saint all these things he doesn't believe in that so he doesn't you know believe in her that way she's just human another human which is all she wants really <laughs> so uh, but yeah but then there is this thing that because of the way she is and because of how other people have treated her she's not acknowledged to have a sexuality she's not allowed to be a complete person and then well, Thank you. I don't think I've talked enough it. about that part of it, the sexuality, her expression of her sexuality, her understanding, again, part of the natural world, a part of her, yeah. part of the world that she should be entitled to. Um, and and despite that, there's other things that intervene in that. But the film does play against expectations, I guess, one way of putting it. And uh, I'm glad. I'm happy for that. And uh, my congratulations. The film has won a number of awards. Congratulations. I just can't say enough great things about it. It was Costa Rica's uh, submission for best uh, international feature film for last year's Oscar consideration and well-deserved. Congratulations to you on Thank all you of so it. Much. Thank, Thank you. you. Clara Sola will be screening here in Los Angeles beginning on Friday, July 8th. And our guest, Natalie Alvarez-Mazen, will be there on Friday, July 8th, as well as Saturday, July 9th for a Q&A after the 7.15 screening, so be sure and check that out. The film, again, is called Clara Sola, and we've been speaking with the director as well as the co-screenwriter, and that would be Natalie Alvarez-Mezen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.